meditation, 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 depending on the quality of my mind. You know, there's good days and bad days. I mean, I feel like the waterfall of thoughts. Every now and then, a nice calm. I can't think of anything. This is Meditation in the City. The Shambhala New York Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Meditation in the City podcast, a podcast where we explore topics on Buddhist meditation and maintaining a meditation practice amidst living in a busy world. My name is Francesca, and I'm your host. The title of this episode is Mindful Holidays, the Gift of Presence. This talk was recorded in 2017 and is part of our podcast series on compassion and Tonglen practice and relevant as we approach this year's holiday season. The holidays are a season of joy, gratitude, family, and friends, and anxiety, sadness, chaos, and conflict. In this episode, we begin to unpack this contradiction and investigate the role of mindfulness in helping us navigate the holiday season. Today, we are joined by Philomena Leonardi, Philomena has been practicing in the Shambhala tradition since 2009 and a student of Sakyang Mifam Rinpoche since 2016. She is a partner at a global consulting firm focusing on leadership development. Through her work as an executive coach, she aspires to bring the principles of the Shambhala Dharma to the corporate world. Originally born and raised in Milan, Italy, Philomena has lived in several cities, including London and Sydney. She has made New York City her home since 2005. In her limited spare time, Philomena is an enthusiastic ceramic student at Greenwich House Pottery and considers clay and the wheel her very first mindfulness teachers. The Meditation in the City podcast is hosted by the Shambhala Meditation Center of New York. Here's Philomena to take away the discussion. For many of us, this is not only a busy time, but it's also often a time that brings up a lot of interesting stuff. Maybe some of us are looking forward to being close with family and friends, and maybe some of us may not be in the same kind of easy relationship with family and friends. Some of us may not have access to our families and some of us may have new um, situations that are arising that we need to deal with. So life is, is messy and this time of the year is speedier and it highlights some of the messiness that we all live with. And then at the same time, I think I might have gone to three or four different websites for different reasons in the last couple of weeks, and they're all about the perfect holiday uh, outfit or (laughs) the perfect holiday dinner. And you see these beautiful images of wonderfully laid tables with sparkling china small children with impossibly cute outfits that are clean. And, you know, you know, it's really hard to live up to those sorts of expectations. 
both the ones that we set for ourselves, but also the ones that we constantly get messages about. So, when we have this gap between what's going on and our expectations, we tend to fill that gap with a lot of thinking, a lot of um, shoulds and woulds, and just a lot of um, habits that take us, as, take us away from what's happening right now. So, as I said earlier, the irony is that at the same time, whilst we are trying to fill these gaps with uh, more doing and more having, actually what we are all yearning for is to connect with others and to do so in a genuine way. So, mindfulness practice is is an, in an, is an interesting crucible, is an interesting um, it's something that we can work with at a time of increased stress and increased um, discursiveness and speediness in our lives. So I wanted to talk a little bit about some aspects of mindfulness and how they relate to what's happening at this point in time in our calendars called the holidays. Uh, although, of course, it's actually true for any time of the year. It just so happens that this is a particularly heightened time for a lot of us. So mindfulness is first and foremost about gentleness. It's actually the practice of mindfulness and the practice of meditation is, is about creating a space where we can see things for what they are with some gentleness. And at the same time with attention and without judgment. So when we do practice and we are watching our breath or we are staying with our breath, we start noticing what's happening with our minds. And some of us may notice that there are a lot of thoughts, a lot of discursiveness, what I call the washing machine mind goes around, around, around. Uh, there could be the chattering mind. But whatever, whatever you call it, there is, there is a lot of noise going on. And, and there is a tendency for us to perhaps want to be quite aggressive towards ourselves to try and stop that. Mindfulness is actually about the gentleness and the kindness to ourselves to notice what is going on. 
and to notice that with some precision as well. So every time you come back to the breath because you've noticed that your mind has wandered off, you bring more and more precision to this noticing without judgment. And hopefully over time with a little bit of curiosity and humor as well. So as, you, as we continue to do that, um, one thing also that we notice, which is um, part of how we tend to live our lives and becomes, again, more heightened at, at times like the holidays, is that we typically don't really like to stay with things that are not very comfortable. And this is what then makes us want to distract ourselves and want to um, perhaps just get very busy and speedy. Um, and during a time like this, it can tend to, uh, we tend to perhaps overcommit ourselves. We may tend to um, be perhaps less patient. So it can, it can manifest in many different ways. But I think that probably the most interesting is that at a time when perhaps a lot of different feelings may be coming up because we all have different circumstances, um, there is, we, we tend to be reluctant to stay with what is actually occurring. And when we do that, we tend to react in particular ways. So we might, um, when we get angry about a situation or we get frustrated, it's often about something else but that something else is something that we may not necessarily want to be really noticing. So mindfulness is about having the gentleness and the space to notice what is going on in the weather of our minds. And so at a time when things are particularly um, fretful, <laughs> we can use that as a, as a helpful method. So actually the time when probably we have least time to sit is probably when we need it most. And the other interesting thing is that mindfulness doesn't have to be the sort of heavy trip of, well, I'm gonna sit and meditate. It could be that you're just walking down the street and you just notice what's around you. You might notice um, whatever little nature there is in New York City. Um, I mean, I always think it's amazing there are squirrels in parks, <laughs> Wonder, you know, running around being squirrely, or you know, the the sparkling uh, element of the of decorations and holidays. I mean, there are a lot of there's a lot of beauty at the same time that can be noticed. So mindfulness can also be opening up to what is around us. So when we can do that, even if it's a little sitting, even if it's a little noticing, coming back to what's there right now, coming back to the breath, we are creating the possibility to relate to things that are happening around us without reacting as much. And 
at a time when we are also having a lot of interactions with other people in very particular ways that are typical of this time of the year, whether it's be family and friends or office um, situations or if you have a job that gets particularly busy at this time of the year. I don't know about you, but I seem to have every project that needs that is out there needs to get done before the end of the year. I don't know what it is about this mythical end of the year date that everybody feels they have to get everything done by then. And it's, so we all have other people also that we need to interact and in a way we can also consider how to extend our mindfulness to, to others. And um, I don't mean so much extending our mindfulness to others as, a, as just a, an act of, well, you know, I'm going to be nice to you which is helpful, but not really um, going to necessarily give them the gift of your presence that you could aspire to, to extend. Um, it's more the sense of that as you get to understand more about what is um, the, the, your own pattern of thoughts, and you're able to create some space, you also start seeing that other people have their own similar stories or their own version of other stories. And we can perhaps relate to them in that way as opposed to relate to them as, well, they're doing that to me. There is a church on Madison Avenue in the 30s it's a Baptist church. I've never been inside this church, but they have this wonderful signage outside. It changes every week. And there was this wonderful saying several months ago. It went something like this. Upon finding the center of the universe, some people may be disappointed to realize that it's not them. So mindfulness is a little bit about realizing that um, as we uncover the patterns of our thoughts and we, um, we notice that others around us are in an interrelationship with us. And when we interact with them, we can start also noticing a little bit more about what is actually going on between us and with and for them. And we can ask different kind of questions when we interact or have different kind of um, interactions all together. So how many of us um, find that the holidays is a time when we all somehow revert into particular roles that we may have had for, you know, all our lives with around our families, around particular rituals and, and um, habits that exist in, in our own um, holiday patterns. 
And it's like immediately you're back to being 12. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, pretty, it's, it's pretty unbelievable how that happens. So part of being mindful is, part of, is also being present to some of those exchanges and being able to realize that there may be, um, maybe able, be able to stay with what it is that is actually occurring and what is painful for us or what is triggering us and not react in the same way. When we do that, we might also find that it's not just relationships with people that we have ongoing interactions, whether it's work or family or friends, um, but we also find that when we're able to be mindful and present, even interactions with people that are more perhaps peripheral to our, to our lives, or we may think are peripheral, can actually create a connection at, at a particular point in time. And it can really create a whole other sense of um, interrelationship and how we can, in a way, raise the quotient of um, well-being around us at this time of the year. So, you know, if you're going to Starbucks and you just simply go up to the counter asking for your double tall skim cappuccino, no froth, extra milk, <laughs> and you just simply kind of ignore the person who is making you that drink or taking your order, it's actually a lost opportunity for mindfulness. Because if in that moment you can just make that eye contact and have the briefest of exchanges, you will find that both of you will be uplifted by that significantly and it will have a ripple effect. So that is possible when the chatter in our minds is somewhat um, turned down a little occasionally, enough for us to notice those moments of opportunity. So that instead of going to the airline counter and thumping because your flight is delayed three hours, painful as that is, that person on the other side of the counter is actually suffering also. And we sometimes forget that. It goes back to what is at the center of the universe. So, mindfulness during this time of the year is not about fixing the holidays and actually giving you the catalog holidays that you get pictures in your mailbox every week now. That's really not going to happen, not even here not even if you meditate every day. But there is the opportunity to relate to what is going on around us in a way that is 
a little bit more sane and in a way that is also much more about what is, what is happening right now in the moment. And let go to some extent, as much as we, we can from time to time, of some of the cardboard cutout connections that we make. What I mean by that is we can be, uh, our thinking can create a lot of assumptions and a lot of expectations around ourselves and other people such that we cease to see other people as they are right now. And we, and we miss the opportunity to connect with them in a way that is relevant to what's happening right now. And, that, and those sorts of habitual thinking situations are what tend to stoke the fires of the, the kind of stuff that we all dread when we go to <laughs> the holiday gatherings. So it's not about creating the perfect holiday, but it's about relating to, what, to things as they are and not have the constant liking, disliking, craving, aversion, thinking around what's happening so that you cease to have that direct experience. So let me stop here and take some, I'd like to hear some of your comments or questions relative to what might be happening in how you see this as being applicable in, in, your, in your context. I have a, just a very general question about meditation that uh, you're breathing the outside in and then you're going into yourself and then when you're exhaling you're basically breathing yourself out into that outer space but it's coming from a sense of the focus is your like your inner self where your you could say your spirit or soul is and I was just in a simple thing about breathing, mm -hmm. I was wondering if you just have a, any comments about that. So, um, in in our in the in the meditation technique that we we've been practicing here, the breath is the uh, what we call the object of meditation, and it is simply the reference point to which we come back to, so that we can remain present in what's in what's on the cushion right now as opposed to thinking about the past the future planning the next holiday etc so there is any any other discursiveness even if it's about the breath is more thinking and so we simply let that go the the um so the breath is simply used as the object of meditation because it's there, it's easily accessible, we can always 
find it and come back to it. And it's a very natural part of our being alive. Um, you talked about um, be, like being nice to someone as not necessarily being the most having the most mindful or I shouldn't it's like you could, you could say you want to have mindfulness with someone and that could be through being kind to them but you also sort of said or at least I understood you saying that it might not always mean just kindness I was just wondering if you could talk more about that. Yeah. Or how you could have like a difficult yeah. kind of interaction with someone, but that's actually much more real than just being nice to them. So kindness, meaning uh, courtesy, it's, it's very valuable, it's very important. And the distinction I was making earlier was that what we are talking about with mindfulness is not only the exterior behavior of kindness, which is very important, but it's also this notion that we are really available. That when you are making a connection with another person, there is that contact there is that, that uh, interaction that comes from I'm here, you're here, and we're not dismissing each other at a, at a level. But also we're not seeing each other through the lens of a lot of assumptions and preconceived ideas. Um, a, lot of, a lot of relationships a lot of interactions tend to be based on that. You know, someone, whether somebody, we see them as important or not important, or they've done this to us five years ago, therefore that defines the relationship, or whatever it might be. So it's, it, it, was, uh, it was addressing that notion of the, the connection coming through a perspective of being present and available. So what, what do you do, like, if you're going to have a sad holiday? I, you know, you just feel sad? Mm -hmm. And then just wait for some other feeling to come up and then feel that one too? Or, like, you know, for whatever, for a long list of reasons. I'm not going home, and then there's Christmas, so it's Thanksgiving. I won't bore you with it, but I feel that Thanksgiving is going to be sad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like people want to go to the parade, and I don't really want to. I just think I'm going to stay home <laughs> and feel sad. And like I think, oh, isn't our culture say that's wrong, and you should go out with your friends to the parade, and then go have champagne, and then make a big deal out of something, but I really don't have the spirit inside of me. But then again, I would say it seems unhealthy behavior to stay home. Mm. So then maybe halfway through the day you're like, this was stupid. I should have gone to the parade and then mm. gone to dinner with my friends. Mm. Um, what should I do? Well. <laughs> 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 I 
I wouldn't presume to tell you what to do. But I'm asking. <laughs> so from the perspective of what we've been talking about here, what we're saying is that mindfulness is about relating to what is. And relating to what is may mean that it is a difficult and sad time. It is, I mean, without, it, it, I, I, without going into the details of, of circumstances, but generally we all have times that are going to be sad and difficult. And it may even be that for some of us, the holidays always signify something sad and difficult for whatever reason. So the question is not so much what do you do, meaning do I go to the parade and out with my friends or not. The question is, at some point, can you simply be with whatever is arising? And if you decide to... Um, go out, can you n not necessarily suppress it, but also not also at the same time, it's not building a story around it. So the challenge with, with, with this process, with, with, the, with this notion of, um, you know, when you're breathing, the thoughts arise and come back to the breath, the analog here is there are difficult emotions or difficult feelings and can you have some space and some gentleness to stay with them without the storyline and that can then um, potentially you know then whatever you resolve to do whether it's to go out or not is from the space of knowing what, what is. And if it is uh, appropriate to go out, that's fine. And if it isn't, that's also fine. But it's not around building a storyline about what I should do and go because of that. It's more about if you go out, it's, it's a case of it, it, I can have both. I can be with both. The feeling of being interacting with, other, interacting with others as well as there is sadness. So it's the wanting to fix it is that creates the challenge. Seeing it as a problem to be solved rather than an, right. an experience to be felt. Yes. And it doesn't mean that there are, that doesn't mean that there may not be actions that follow that are constructive and help. So if, if you call that solution, it's not that you don't do anything, but it's when we try and fix something because we're not willing, from, a, from the perspective of wanting to push it away, then we miss that opportunity to um, befriend ourselves and understand what's going on. Thank you. Uh, I was thinking about what you said uh, about the Starbucks, and I 
remembered that this week there was a guy working on some plants on the floor. He was doing something and I was just looking at my phone and I hit something that he was working with. And he got really mad and he yelled at me, come on, be careful. And I just, I, I, I sat down with him and I, and I looked at him and I, like, and I told him, how can I help? I, I ruined this, how can I help you? And he was like, well, for starters, you should not look at your phone when you walk. And I was like, you're completely right. Mm -hmm. And just like being, I thought, I, 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 and then his attitude changed completely. He laughed. And I was like, how being present with someone, even if it's someone that's mad at you and, and being there for him, can just that change the whole situation, you know? I, if, I, I'm sure if I just walked away, he would have stayed there yelling. But but he wasn't expecting that I stopped and I look at looked at his eyes and I, and tell him you're right. I, I shouldn't be looking at my phone, and that that changed the whole thing. Just being present with what was happening. Thank you. That's a great story. Yeah. <laughs> also, because it points out to the fact that. Um, that that's sometimes part of the challenge. It's the difficulty in being able to recognize. It's uncomfortable to recognize, yeah, I shouldn't have been looking at my phone. Yeah. yeah. I'm just curious about um, if any of you have any um, examples or any situations where you see that it would be useful to bring this kind of attention or gentleness to a situation, not, not to share necessarily anything that's um, too detailed or, or private, but just I'm curious whether how you're relating to some of these um, ideas and their application. Yeah. I, before you asked that, I was going to ask a question, and maybe um, the question will follow answering what you just asked us. Um, uh, recently, um, having a having a really dif difficult time with um, um, just life. There are, I guess, there are specifics of it, but I don't need to get into it. Um, and, you know, meditating quite a lot um, as a way of sort of coping and, and as a way to bring some sort of gentleness to, um, to how I'm dealing with what's been going on. Um, I guess my question, my question was, is, um, do you feel that meditation can be enough? To be something that can uh, that can that can help you through through things. Um, say if if we're talking about the example that you're using, which is like a holiday, you know. Um, if you are practicing med meditation, um, do you feel like? I mean, I guess if you're enlightened, yeah, it's enough. <laughs> but like. If you're if you're not like, um, is it, do do you feel that um, it's the kind of thing where you just keep trying to meditate, keep keep working at it, keep 
keep doing this thing? Or um, is there a kind of a point at which maybe you say, okay, you know what, I need to look at other things along with meditation to make sure that I'm having my needs met. For example, with the woman who just spoke, the, uh, you know, maybe social, maybe socializing is something that might um, like help some aspect of, you know, something that needs, some need that needs to be met as well. Um, so yeah, I guess my question is, do you feel like if you don't know what to do, you should just keep meditating? Um, so let's see, yes or no. Um, I think it would be, um, I think foolish to say that any, anything can be as simple as, to, you know, just do this and things will be transformed. Um, you know, take two in the morning and with meals, whatever. It's not like that. Um, I would say, though, that what we're talking about here is undoing, in a way, unlearning, unpicking what may have been many, many years, a long time, of reacting to things in a certain way. And those, those habitual patterns, as we call them, um, are formed in a way that we are not even aware. It's like, it's one thought builds on another thought, builds on another thought, and before you know, there is an emotional charge around that, and before you know, that becomes a storyline that becomes the lens through which one could be related to a particular set of circumstances or situation, and it's seen as truth, as in, uh, it's the way it is, isn't it? kind of thinking. And, and to undo that, to unpick that, takes a level of patience and a level of um, effort, if I can call it that, which we formalize through meditation practice. And whilst it can be transformative, it will not be, it'll be something that will still require a level of intention and effort and discipline in doing it. Um, so that's why the answer is yes and no, because it requires that, that sort of foundation or that that sort of keeping at it. And at the same time, you know, when, when something clicks, it can be very immediate. And you go, oh yeah, that's, I can now see the situation in a very different way. Um, but it's, um, 
It's really tilling the soil in a way. Does that answer your question? Yes. Yeah. May not be the answer you wanted, but. The question was a little bit weird to begin with because, of course, it's mm -hmm. not like it's a it's not like it's a response. I mean, it can be a way of therapy or something like that to like solve some sort of problem, but me meditation is a practice, like you said. Yeah, and and by the way, that's exactly right. It's not to say that there aren't other important pieces that come into it. Absolutely, I would I would not. No one here actually would ever say that. I mean, there are some very specific situations where that require a different kind of intervention uh, at, um, at particular times. And actually, um, you know, for instance, situations um, if there are if there's if there are situations of addiction, you may you know a person would need very different kind of support as well. So it's not it's not this is not to say as I said before, take two in the morning with meals and things will be fixed. It is a long-term, it is a commitment to relate to one's life and, one, and get to know one's mind in a certain way. And along that path, there may also be the clear need for other, for other things. Yeah. Thank you. Sure. Um, this gets back to the question you asked us before. Uh, when you said that, I was thinking that um, uh, when it comes to the holidays and, and, and I guess most of the people that I associate with are people that I probably met, um, we'll call them in like my formative years, you know, not as a young child. And then there is my immediate family. And um, I would say that for immediate family, there is no practice that works for me. It's just simply get through it, survive, and leave. Um, that's it. For people who I've met, you know, different times of my life who, who I have difficult time with, there is a practice I can use with them, um, but not with immediate family. I don't think there's any. I don't think that. I, I think that uh, there's no practice for that except for just get through it, and uh, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like we have a lot of people who just want to get through it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I have some very good news for you. You don't actually have to use the practice on anybody. That's the good news other than with yourself. And if practice means that you survive those situations with with your immediate family in a way that is more gentle, more graceful, with a little bit more humor, without without raising your own sense of aggression or anxiety towards yourself, then that's pretty pretty good actually. I would sign up for that. So it's, this is not about, um, so I'll share a personal story, if I could take two seconds of your time. 
I have a mother and every daughter has a certain kind of relationship with their mother, I would say, or most of us. And there are things that my mother does, I can tell you, it's like this dance that's going on. Every year when I go home for the holidays, and the thing is, or every time I speak with her on the phone, and the thing is, it ain't gonna change. My mother is 82. <laughs> She's not going to change. But I can drop the expectation that she should because she just isn't the mother that I have a fantasy about having. Just like I'm not the daughter she has a fantasy about having. Newsflash. So it's, it's really about recognizing that I, I, I had to let go of certain expectations. And that this is my mother who gave me life. And ultimately, she's going to be around for however many more years she is. And I have a choice. I have a choice that I can either get roped into the button pushing every single time, or maybe do it once every four times. And even that will create a little bit of space. So call it survival. That's as good a word as any. But it's that, it's that kind of shift that can be immensely lib liberating, actually. Uh, because you're really not trying to create a fantasy anymore. You just you just relating as an adult, as a grown up, as a with what is around you. Um, so similar to that gentleman over there, I, I too have a family. Um, I don't just have a family. Uh, both of my parents have ten brothers and sisters, and everybody gets together um, for Christmas. Uh, it ranges from. Um, very, uh, very conservative aunts to very creepy uncles. And um, I, I understand that the surviving is, you know, not blowing up every time, but every four times. But when there's so many people around that know how to trigger you or trigger you or have different beliefs and mm -hmm. talk about things just to bother you, and don't believe in the path that you're pursuing or the life that you're living, how do you stay grounded in that? Mm -hmm. how, how do you not allow yourself to give in to that negative energy? Because it's, it's all-encompassing, particularly when you're there with them. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, yeah, and it's, I would love to know how to handle Christmas this year. <laughs> Yeah, it's quite a crowd. There's 70 of us. Well, <laughs> um, you know, again, it's, it's, this is not so much about giving a prescriptive um, approach to specific situations, 
um, I would say that when um, when you can when we can learn to notice and let go a little over it 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 shifts the way we relate to it and they don't need to be on your path or believe what you believe it's it's really not uh, it's really not about that and also you know again uh, part of the mindfulness uh, practice is about also understanding what is um, you know what why am I being triggered what is really going on for me, because that's really where the energy kind of flares up. Thank you. Yeah, it's um, if my mother says something that upsets me. Um, I need to understand what is it about that inside of me? What is, what, is, what is the chain of thoughts and feelings and assumptions and expectations and you know that mind noise that causes me to have an extreme reaction? And it's a difference between having that extreme reaction and you know, as in the buttons being pushed versus noticing that, you know, when Uncle Joe says, or when my mother says, it's, you know, it's sad, it saddens me, it hurts me, but there you have it. So that's what I mean by understanding where is that, that, that sort of flare of energy coming from. What is coming up, exactly. Exactly. So, Sorry. yeah. Want me to repeat that? Yeah. I just, uh, your, she's not, she can't make you do anything. She can't make you upset. You're the one who's getting upset. Yeah. So you realize what makes you right. flare up. And also, being upset is also, you know, having, having, you know, we have the sense that certain, that there are good feelings and bad feelings. And we all like to experience good feelings, right? <laughs> um, and so interactions that are, m cause what we call less pleasant feelings to arise, we don't want to be around. And so that's part of the challenge, is how we relate to that. Now, with family situations, Sometimes it's not desirable nor possible, or maybe it is, but that's part of the decision, to simply say, you know what? I ain't coming this year because I just can't cope. I mean, it's a, it's a choice, but we also have the reality that this is our family, <laughs> right? So being also, so a combination of Understanding what our own patterns and our own constant assumptions and noise, but also understanding that it's not always going to be comfortable. You know, I know that there are certain 
situations with my family that are not going to be, you know, pleasant. It's not what I would choose to have if this were not my family. But there you have it. That's the family I have. And in a sense, there is also another level of bonding that comes from that being my family. So, so that's what I mean by also um, the fact that mindfulness is about being able to stay with things that are not necessarily how we want them. Because we can't always change them. And we can't always make ourselves simply love them either in the way that we think of loving something. And the good news is that it's usually only a, a few days of the year. <laughs> so if it's, you know... And, but you might find that also when you start relating to it a little differently, your experience shifts. Could be. So it's part of this also, this other notion that things are, are dynamic, they're not fixed. They're not always like this, like we see them. Yeah. I'm conscious that it's 8.36 and Joy and Susie might be giving me the sign soon. So I would like to thank you for your participation and I'd like to also Wish you very wonderful holidays, whatever that might mean for you. <laughs> um, and, you know, there is always, um, even when things may seem to be not what we want them to be, there might be something really special that comes up. And vice versa, even the most wonderful planned situations may not always bring what we expect anyway. So be open to the experience. Right. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, we invite you to leave us a rating and review, subscribe, and share this episode with your friends. Shambhala NYC also offers a variety of meditation courses for meditators of all levels. Check out our upcoming programs at shambhalanyc.org. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.